homilies twenty eight and twenty nine of fifty spiritual homilies of st macarius the egyptian translated by a j mason this librivox recording is in the public domain homily twenty eight this homily describes and bewails the calamity of the soul that by reason of sin the lord does not dwell in it and concerning john the baptist that none among those born of women is greater than he as once god was wroth with the jews and gave jerusalem openly over to its enemies and they which hated them were lords over them and there was no longer any feast there or any offering so being wroth with the soul he gave it over to its enemies both to devils and to passions and so when these had seduced it they ruined it utterly and no longer was there any feast there or any incense or offering sent up by it to god its tokens being filled in the streets dreadful beasts and serpent spirits of wickedness making their domicile within it and as a house if it has not the master resident in it gets clothed with darkness and shame and abuse and filled with dirt and filth so the soul which has not its master with his angels making merry in it gets filled with the darkness of sin and the shame of passions and all manner of disgrace alas for the street if no one walks in it nor hears in it the voice of man because it becomes the habitation of wild beast alas for the soul when the lord takes not his way in it and drives not out of it with his voice the spiritual wild beast of wickedness alas for the house when the master does not live in it alas for the land when it has not the husbandman to till it alas for the ship when it has not the steersman because it is carried along by the waves and surges of the sea and is lost alas for the soul when it has not christ the true steersman in it because finding itself in the sea of the bitterness of darkness and tossed by the surge of passions and storm-beaten by the winds of evil spirits it ends by gaining perdition alas for the soul when it has not christ to till it carefully that it may be able to bring forth good fruits of the spirit because left desolate and filled with thorns and thistles its fruit in the end is the burning of fire alas for the soul when it has not christ its master living in it because left desolate and being filled with the noisome odour of passions it finds itself the habitation of iniquity as the husbandman when he goes to till the ground must take the proper tools and clothing for tilling so christ the king the heavenly and true husbandman in coming to humanity which had been laid desolate by sin put on the body and carried the cross for his tool and so tilled the desolate soul and took out of it the thorns and thistles of evil spirits and plucked up the tares of sin and burned up with fire every weed of its sins and thus tilling it with the wood of the cross he planted in it that fairest paradise of the spirit bearing every fruit that is sweet and desirable for god as its owner and as in egypt during the three days darkness 
the son saw not his father, nor brother brother, nor true friend his friend, because the darkness hid them. So when Adam transgressed the commandment, and fell from his former glory, and came under the power of the spirit of the world, and the veil of darkness fell upon his soul, from his time and until the last Adam, the Lord, they saw not the true Father in heaven, or the good, kind mother, the grace of the Spirit, or the sweet and desired brother, the Lord, or the friends and kindred, the holy angels, with whom he rejoiced, making merry and keeping festival. And it was not only until the last Adam, but even to this day those upon whom the Son of Righteousness, Christ, has not arisen, and in whom the eyes of the soul have not been opened and enlightened by the true light, are still under the same darkness of sin, wrought upon by the same influence of pleasures, subject to the same punishment, not yet having eyes to behold the Father. This is a thing which every one ought to know, that there are eyes deeper within than these eyes, and a hearing deeper within than this hearing. As these eyes sensibly behold and recognize the face of a friend or beloved one, so the eyes of the worthy and faithful soul, being spiritually enlightened with the light of God, behold and recognize the true friend, the sweetest and greatly longed-for bridegroom, the Lord, while the soul is shown upon by the adorable spirit, and thus beholding with the mind the desirable and only inexpressible beauty, it is smitten with passionate love of God, and is directed into all virtues of the spirit, and thus possesses an unbounded, unfailing love for the Lord it longs for. What therefore is more blessed than that everlasting voice of John, when he shows the Lord before our eyes, saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Truly, among them that are born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. He is the fulfillment of all the prophets. All the prophets prophesied of the Lord, showing his coming afar off. John prophesied of the Saviour, and showed him before all eyes, crying aloud and saying, Behold the Lamb of God! What a sweet and beautiful voice of him who shows then and there him whom he heralded! Greater than John is none of them that are born of women but he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The apostles, born of God from above, who received the firstfruits of the Comforter Spirit, for they were allowed to be his fellow judges and partners of his throne. They have been made redeemers of men. You find them dividing the sea of evil powers, leading believing souls through. You find them husbandmen, tilling the vine of the soul. You find them bridesmen, marrying souls to Christ. I have espoused you, it says, to one husband. You find them giving life to men. In short, you find them in sundry parts and in diverse manners serving the Spirit. 
This is the little one who is greater than John the Baptist. As the husbandman governs a yoke of oxen and tills the ground, so the Lord Jesus, the fair true husbandman, yoked the apostles two and two and sent them forth, tilling with them the ground of those who hear and truly believe. Only this is worth saying, that the kingdom of God and the preaching of the apostles is not in the word of hearing only, like one who knows a set of words and rehearses them to others, but the kingdom is in power and effectual working of the Spirit. This was the sad case of the children of the Israelites, always studying the Scriptures, and in fact making the Lord the theme of their study, and yet not receiving the truth itself. They parted with that inheritance to others. So those who rehearse to others words of the Spirit, while they do not themselves possess the word and power, part with the inheritance to others. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for ever. Amen. Homily 29 God works the dispensations of grace upon mankind after a twofold manner, intending to require the fruits of it by a just judgment. The wisdom of God, being infinite and incomprehensible, works the dispensations of grace incomprehensibly and unsearchably upon the human race in various fashions for the testing of our free will so that those who love him with their whole heart and will endure every danger and toil for god's sake may be made manifest to some the gifts of endowments of the holy ghost come in advance directly they draw near in faith and prayer without labor or sweat or toil sometimes while they are still in the world god gives them grace not idly, nor out of season, nor at random, but in an unspeakable and incomprehensible wisdom, in order to try the determination and free will of those who have so quickly received the grace of God, whether they were sensible of the benefit and of the kindness and sweetness of God that was shown them, in proportion to the grace received without pains of their own in return for which they ought to show diligence, and run well, and fight hard, and to bear the fruit of will, and purpose, and love, and to give back a requital for their spiritual gifts, by yielding themselves wholly up to the love of the Lord, and accomplishing His will alone, and perfectly withdrawing from all carnal affection. To others, even when they have withdrawn from the world, and have renounced this age, according to the gospel, and passed their time in much perseverance in prayer and fasting and diligence and the other virtues, God does not immediately grant the grace and the refreshment and rejoicing of the Spirit, being patient with them and reserving the gift. And this he does, not idly, nor unreasonably, not at random, but with unspeakable wisdom, for the testing of their free will, to see whether they have counted God faithful and true who promised, to give to them that ask, and to open the door of life to them that knock, 
to see whether after believing his word in truth they continue to the end in full assurance of faith and diligence, asking and seeking, and will not prove faint-hearted and draw back and give up, and in unbelief and hopelessness despise the quest, not persevering to the end because of the putting off of the time, and because of the testing of their will and purpose. For he who does not receive it once is the more kindled through God's delay and patience, and the more desirous of the good things of heaven, and every day adds to his longing and diligence, his running and striving, and every disposition of virtue, his hunger and thirst after that which is good, not slacking for the sinful suggestions which are present in the soul, or turning aside to despise or forget or despair, nor again under pretense of patience will he give himself over to slackness, using this argument, that some day or other I shall receive the grace of God, and from this enticed by sin into carelessness. On the contrary, so long as the Lord himself in his delay is patient over him, testing the faith and love of his will, the man himself ought the more keenly, the more laboriously, without giving in, without turning faint, to seek the gift of God, having once for all believed and assured himself that God is true and cannot lie, who has promised to give his grace to those who ask with faith to the end in all perseverance. For God is faithful and true in his leading of faithful souls, and they have set to their seal that he is true, according to the true word. Therefore, in accordance with this intuition of faith, they examine themselves to see in what respects they on their part are lacking. In labor, in striving, in diligence, in faith, in love, or in the rest of the dispositions of virtue. And thus examining with all minute exactness, they force and constrain themselves to the best of their power to please the Lord, having once for all believed that God, being true, will not cheat them of the gift of the Spirit, if they continue to the end with all diligence serving Him and waiting upon Him, but that they will have the heavenly grace vouchsafed to them, while they are still in the flesh, and will obtain eternal life. And so they set in motion all their love towards the Lord, denying everything else, and looking only for Him with much desire and hunger and thirst, and always waiting for the refreshment and consolation of grace, and not willingly finding consolation or refreshment or binding attachment in anything of this world, but always resisting material attractions, they look only for the help and succor of God, when the Lord himself is secretly present already to souls that take upon them this kind of diligence, in purpose of heart and endurance, and helps them, and preserves them, and confirms them unto every fruit of virtue, even though they are in trouble and distress even though they have not yet in certainty of the truth and in manifestation to the soul receive the grace of the Spirit and the refreshment of the heavenly gift. 
and have not had experience of it in full consciousness, because of the unspeakable wisdom of God, and His inexpressible judgments, in which He tries believing souls in various ways, with a view to a love which is of the will and of purpose. For there are bounds and measures and degrees of choice and purpose, and of the will to love, and of disposition to obey all his holy commandments with might and main. And when souls thus fill up the measure of their love and duty, they are permitted to receive the kingdom and the eternal life. For God is just, and just are his judgments, and with him there is no respect of persons and he judges each in proportion to the varying benefits with which he has endowed mankind. Benefits of body or of spirit, whether knowledge or understanding or discernment, and will require the fruits of virtue accordingly, and will render to each the due reward of his works in the day of judgment. He will come, we are told, and will render to every man according to his deeds, and mighty men shall be mightily tormented, for mercy will soon pardon the meanest. And the Lord says, The servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. And unto whom much is given, of him shall much be required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. The knowledge and understanding I have mentioned may be variously thought of, either according to grace and the heavenly gift of the Spirit, or in conformity with the natural intelligence and discernment, and through the instruction of the divine scriptures. Of each man will be required the fruits of virtue in proportion to the benefits conferred upon him from God, whether natural or given by God's grace. Therefore every man is inexcusable before God in the day of judgment. For every man will be required to answer of his will and purpose according to what he knew of the fruits of faith and love and every other virtue towards God, whether he knew by hearing, or had never heard the word of God. For the faithful, truth-loving soul, looking to the eternal blessings laid up for the righteous, and to the unspeakable benefit of the grace of God that is to visit it, esteems itself, and its diligence and pains and labor, all unworthy in comparison with the unspeakable promises of the Spirit. This is the poor in spirit, whom the Lord pronounced blessed. This is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. This is he who is contrite in heart. Those who take upon them this purpose and diligence and pains and longing after virtue, and continue therein to the end, will be enabled to obtain life and the eternal kingdom in truth. Therefore let no brother be exalted against his brother, or proceed to form an opinion of himself under the cheating influence of sin, to think, Behold, I for my part possess a spiritual gift. 
it is not fit that Christians should have these notions. You know not what the morrow may do for him. You are ignorant what his end will be, or what your own. Let each give heed to himself, and examine his own conscience at all times, and try the work of his heart, what diligence and striving towards God his mind has. And looking towards the perfect mark of liberty, and of freedom from passions, and of the Spirit's rest, let him run without stopping and without sloth, never satisfied with any spiritual gift or with any righteous attainment. Glory and adoration to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for ever. Amen. End of Homily 29